So this morning we are looking at Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. Uh, You'll find it on the screen behind me, on the screen in front of you, or if you've got it with you, you can follow along. Philippians 1, 3 through 11. So before we read, let's pray. Father, we, we sit in silence just for a few moments. And uh, once again, we remind ourselves that, that in the beginning, you, you spoke into the silence and the universe was born. So your word is, is creative. It's it's generative, it's restorative, it's, it's a word that makes things new, transforms things. And so, as we open up your word, uh, we pray, Spirit, that you would do what you do, that you would open us up, that you would help us to hear your voice, make us new again, make us like you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Philippians 1, starting at verse 3. So Paul is writing to this group of Jesus people in a place called Philippi, and he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We'll go that far. (laughs) So good. So his prayer for these Jesus people living in this place called Philippi is that their love would abound more and more. That their love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So there's this idea that they will gain more knowledge They will understand things a little bit more deeply. And what would that do? That would cause their love to abound more and more, to expand and widen and get deeper so that they may be able to discern what is next. Oh, it's so good. I want that. Does that sound good to you? Do you want that? I want that for me. I want that for my my family. I want that for my kids. I want that for all of you. I want that for, 
for us together as a, as a community, I want our love to abound more and more as we gain more knowledge and learn and grow and, and learn new things and gain greater insight into the world and how things are working and what God is doing so that our love would abound more and more. So good. So before we get into that a little bit, I need to tell you a story that will help us understand the context in which Paul is writing in uh, the context of the people in Philippi to whom he is writing. I want to tell you a story about a building. It's a building out on West Lincoln Way. As you're getting out towards, that's west. As you get, whenever I get inside a building, directionally challenged. I have no idea which way is north, south, east, or west, but I think that's right. So it's out on West Lincoln Way as you're getting out towards, um, towards where it joins with Highway 30, right? So uh, there's a building out there that every time I look at it, every time I drive by it, it makes me sad. The building makes me sad. Now this building, I think it used to be a church, and I think before it used to be a church, I think it used to be a restaurant. I don't know the history of the building. I was going to get a picture of it and put it up here, but um, I, since we're broadcasting, I didn't know if it was going to be appropriate or not, but let me just tell you about this building. It's purple. Some of you know which building I'm talking about. It's a purple building. Like, who paints a building purple, right? At some point, somebody sat in a room with a group of people and held up a paint chip and said, hey guys, this is a good idea. And everybody else said, sure. It's not. It's one of those paint colors that my grandma, when I used to drive back from Northwest Iowa from college with her, we would, we would pass buildings that were just ugly and nasty and gross, and she would point them out to me, and she would go, it looks like they had a sale on paint. Oh, so funny. My mom's mom. She's great. Anyway, the building, it just makes me sad because the, the, like, the siding is sort of falling off. The paint is bubbling and chipping. You can see places. The roof is just a mess. The parking lot's all jacked up. You've got weeds and stuff growing up out of there. It's just, it's, it's not, it doesn't look good. It's bad. And it makes me sad because I imagine a time when there was all kinds of activity going on in that place. And there was a time when people would gather together with expectation because they were going to worship God together. They were going to gather as a community and sing songs and pray and listen to the Bible. And before that, maybe if it was a restaurant, like people would go there and they would gather together and they would be ready to have some fun together and share a really good meal. But now it's just kind of, oh, like somebody needs to do something about that thing. You've seen buildings like that right? You've seen whole sections of neighborhoods like that, maybe whole sections of cities like that. We call it urban blight. Like when you, when you roll up through a section of town like that, it just makes you sort of, makes you feel, feel empty inside. Like people call places like that in cities or neighborhoods, they, they say it's like, this is a stain on the neighborhood, or this is a stain on the city, and it just, you know, but I want us to think a little bit more about that. Like that building out there in West Ames. Like at one time, construction began. And it began and there was all kinds of hopes and dreams surrounding that. Right? Those old broken down places once teemed with all sorts of life and activity. And, and now those hopes and dreams are sort of reduced to a pile of ew. Right? At one point, someone had plans and goals for that place. And all those plans and goals were, were at one point, they were temporarily sort of 
They were realized for a while, but now, now no one cares. Right? Those plans and goals have been abandoned, and they, they just sit, those buildings just sort of sit there, and people, people drive by and either ignore them or just sort of shake their heads at them and go, somebody needs to do something about that. And my guess is that at some point in your life, your life has been like those buildings, like you've been there before. Hopes and dreams gone, plans and goals sort of unrealized. If you're not there now, then at some point in your life, you've been there. You know how those buildings feel if buildings could have feelings. And Paul certainly knows how those buildings feel. Like, he writes these words from prison. He's writing from prison. Like, he's not lounging in a comfy chair on some beach, sipping a, sipping a choice drink, a, a nice beverage. It's not where he is. He's in prison, cold, dark, damp, and in chains. He's there for defending and confirming the gospel. He's there for planting churches. And before he wound up in prison, we learned that he was beaten, he was flogged, he was stoned. Right? He knows how those old broken down buildings feel. Plans and goals gone. And he knows that the people he's writing to, this group of Jesus people in Philippi, he knows that they're in the same place. They know what it feels like. Hopes and dreams are gone. Plans and goals, they're just unrealized. He knows that life isn't easy for these people living in this little Roman colony of, of Philippi. It's filled with all kinds of people. And you risk being flogged and thrown in jail if you rejected emperor worship, and instead of saying Caesar is Lord, you said Jesus Christ is Lord, you would be considered an enemy of the state. You would be considered a threat to the empire, a disturber of the peace, maybe even a, like, like a, an insurrectionist. It would have been bad. Like Paul certainly would have understood if brutal beatings by imperial police followed by imprisonment would have caused a, a sense of panic in this little this little church in Philippi. You know, Paul knew they felt like those broken down buildings that we sometimes see. Are you a broken down building this morning? I know that you at least probably have places in your life, in your person, in yourself, in your family that have been reduced, sometimes all the way to a, a pile of a rebel. Come on now, we don't have to walk in this, in this place, put on pretty little faces and pretend. We don't have to do that. We can acknowledge this. We're in, we're, it's been two years of a pandemic. We've been slogging our way through. And for a lot of us, a lot of us, this has been really hard. For us as a community, this has been a really hard time. Maybe you feel abandoned by someone close to you. Maybe you've, you've lost someone or something that just, it just cannot be replaced. Have you felt the sting of hurtful words lately? I mean, you look at our world and it seems like everything is so divided on everything and everything just gets so political. We have to pick one side or another and so many things turn into a, 
turn into a fight? Are you feeling that pain? Are you feeling that struggle? Maybe you need help, but you're afraid to ask for it. Maybe you're dealing with a, with a destructive habit and you don't know what to do with it and you can't get through it. Or maybe it's worse than that. Maybe it's, maybe it's a full-blown addiction and you don't know how to ask for help and you don't, you don't know if you need to ask for help. You just can't get past it. Maybe you and your spouse, they're having a rough time right now or you and your kids or other parts of your family. It's just not working. Are you feeling like a broken down building? Like if you're having any of those experiences or if you're feeling like part of you is an old broken down building that people ignore or just sort of stare at and shake their heads, somebody's got to do something about that person's life. I've got news for you. Jesus owns the building that is your life. You belong to Jesus. No matter the things that you've done, no matter matter the things inside of you, no matter what has happened to you, God wants to begin construction again. God God wants to renew. God wants to renovate. He wants to make your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you might be able to discern what is best, what the next step is, where you need to go. He wants you to be pure and blameless. I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus owns the building that is your life. You belong to him, and he wants to renovate. He wants to make things new again even in the middle of this crazy world we're living in right now. This is one of those uh, experiences that, that you just don't forget as a parent. So this memory will live on with me forever. Uh, Samuel is about four years old at the time. And uh, it was my turn that night to, to put him to bed. And at that time, we would, we would sit in his bed and... Uh, lean up against the headboard, and we'd read a book, and then we'd pray, and then it would be time to, to go to sleep. So we got done praying. It was time for me to say goodnight, and he looks over at me and says, Dad, will you stay with me for a little while? I'm not, I'm really not tired yet. So I did what any good parent would do, and I'd, I'd put my head down next to his on the pillow, and we just stared up at the ceiling, and we started, we started talking, right? Those moments are awesome. It's, those, it's in those moments where you, you, you tune all of your senses to the holy because, because you're pretty sure something holy is about to happen. You can feel it coming. So we're having this conversation, and we're talking about all the events of the day, and we were laughing about certain things, and all of a sudden I started to realize that this four-year-old little dude is starting to speak in long, complex sentences at four, and he's using words that are big. I didn't even know he knew, and I suddenly got this terrible rush of emotion that parents sometimes get. And so I said to Samuel, I was like, Samuel, I need you to do me a favor, buddy. And he goes, what, dad? I said, no, I need you to promise me you'll do me this favor. And he goes, what, dad? Smart little dude, not ready to promise that he doesn't know what it is yet. He's like, what? What, Dad? And I was like, buddy, I need you to stop growing. 
Like, I'm super sick of you getting to be so big. I like you the size you are, okay? And he said, "Mm, Dad, I don't think I'm going to do that favor for you. And I was like, what? Come on, do me that favor. Just stop growing. I like you the size you are. And he's like, but Dad, God planned for us to grow. Did you know that God planned for us to grow? And I said, yeah, buddy. I do know that God planned for us to grow. It's just that sometimes I need to be reminded. So thank you for reminding me. He's right. Little four-year-old Samuel, he's right. God planned for us to grow. Even those of us who are full-grown, God planned for us to grow. Did you know that God planned for us to grow? Sometimes I think we need to be reminded. Like these Philippians Christians who were who are under constant threat of being thrown in prison, like you and me. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded that God planned for us to grow. And if God planned for us to grow, then He certainly isn't going to let us go. God planned for us to grow, for our love to abound more and more as we as we gain knowledge, as we learn things about the world, and we gain depth of insight, He planned that our love would abound more and more. It would grow. It would expand. And we would grow ourselves and change the way we think. And we would actually come to a different place. And we would get bigger and better. And God planned for us to grow. And then we'd be able to discern what is next. Even when our lives feel like they're all broken down buildings, even though we feel, feel like we live in a world that's crazy right now. It's people have lost their mind and it's really hard and we feel broken and old and worn down. God planned for us to grow. So there's this story in the Gospel of Luke um, that I want to share with you. It's found in in Luke chapter 21. So Jesus is talking to the disciples about what he calls the last days. So he's getting all apocalyptic on them, right? And so he paints this scary picture. He talks about how how nations are going to rise up against nations and there's going to be lots of wars. He talks about earthquakes and famines and other natural disasters, But before all of that happens, Jesus says that his disciples will be attacked. They'll be beaten. They'll be flogged. They'll be thrown in jail. He says their own family members are going to turn against them. Their own parents and brothers and sisters and friends will abandon them, will turn their backs on them. He says it's even going to get worse. They're going to, they're going to, they might even have you put to death. And then Jesus says, when you see all these things start to happen, when you see all of those signs, when the world gets crazy like that, when it feels like nothing's working, stand up and lift up your heads. That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? 
It's like when you see all that stuff happening, stand up, lift up your heads. Back during the Cold War, when we Americans were afraid of a nuclear attack from, from the, the Soviet Union, it was common for teachers to, to tell their students how to react, what to do in the event of a nuclear war. Like now teachers have to tell their students what to do if there's an active shooter in the building. Same sort of feeling. Back then they would tell the students if, there's, if the air raid sirens go off, you, you get down, you go under your desk, you pull your knees up to your chest, and you would cover your head with your hands. It seems kind of silly, right? How's that going to stop or protect you from a, a, nuclear, a nuclear bomb, a nuclear war? But duck and cover is, is like a natural human, human response. But Jesus here, he's like, nah. He's, he says the opposite. Rather than close off and hunker down in hard times and just hope for the best, Jesus says, stand up and lift up your heads. Stand up, lift up your heads. It seems so counterintuitive. But who would do that? Well, we would. We do that. We do that because we know the promises of God and we believe them. Look, this life has a whole lot to be feared. It does. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if we didn't experience fear and anxiety and if we weren't afraid of worst case scenarios like illness, a virus that kills, poverty, pain, suffering, like, if we weren't at least a little bit afraid, we'd be called fools. But Jesus has some good news here. He's telling us that, if all, he's telling us that all our fears are nothing when put besides God's plans for us. Stand up. Lift up your heads. Acknowledge the things in life that cause us, that cause us fear and stress and anxiety, but instead of dwelling on them, Stand up, lift up your head, and look for signs of the kingdom all around you because God is at work in the world. Even now, even when the world seems so crazy, even when many of our hopes and dreams are gone, even when, when many of our plans and goals have been unrealized, God wants us to grow. Friends, it's the season of Advent. And we're closing in on Christmas morning. And on that morning, we celebrate a God and worship a God who never goes back on a promise. Right? God promises to come to us. God promises to meet us wherever it is we are. Even in the middle of all this yuck, He promises to meet us. Even, even when there's no room at the inn and he's got to go out back to the stable that no one wants to be in, he'll meet us there too. So if your whole life or just part of your life feels like a broken down building, stand up. Lift up your head because Jesus owns the building that is your life. And he wants to renovate he wants to renew. He wants to begin again. He wants your love, my love, our love together as a people to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that, 
so that we can discern what is best. So it's almost like Paul says, I haven't given you everything because I don't know where you're going to be. But I'm pretty confident that you'll be able to wherever it is you are, as you gain knowledge and depth of insight and as your love abounds more and more and gets bigger and wider and more lovely, you'll be able to discern what is best. He wants us to be pure and blameless. And I am confident in this. That he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in us, well, he's going to carry that work on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray.